0: Howdy, what's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free, right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I said I would circle back to this, uh, to the topic from the first hour. and, uh, And so I will. But let me start with Dylan Mulvaney. Okay? Dylan Mulvaney. So first... A little background on who this person is. And I'm at the point now in the uh, in the discussions, I, I tried to be polite because you know me, I'm a polite guy, and I've said this from the very beginning on all of the transgender issue debate and stuff going back to HB2 when all of this first started and people wanted to be called, you know, by different names and you want certain pronouns and all of that and I try to accommodate because I'm a polite person. I am. I'm a I'm a considerate person, I like to think. I am. Don't you tell me otherwise. But um <laughs> I I, I if somebody says like for example, I've used this example over the years which is, you know, my uh, given name is Peter. Do I go by Peter? I do not. I go by Pete. And so when people would ask me when I went to college because I was Peter all through high school uh, when I went to college and the one of the professors said you go by uh, you know t- I'm gonna call out your name for attendance purposes and then tell me what you prefer to be called if it's not that name and so I said Pete and and that's and I was Pete from then on except for my parents and I was Pete from then on and uh, which makes sense because I was named after my uncle Pete so um, anyway uh point here is that when people, and I can, it happens pretty regularly on Twitter, where people will call me Peter. They will call me a different name than I prefer, and I know why they do it, right? So it's an insult, right? They're trying to insult me. And uh, so I try not to insult people. Uh, if you're going to engage with me like that, then yes, I'm, I'm your huckleberry. Uh, but I try to be polite with people, so I call them what they want to be called. When I go over this story, though, I'm not going to be calling Dylan, Dylan Mulvaney a she, because he's a he. Okay, here we go. We got the Pentagon up. All right, let's uh, let's join a it in law
1: progress. Enforcement matter, and it would be inappropriate for me or any other DoD official to comment at this time. And certainly, when we have more to provide from the Department of Defense, we will. In the meantime, as Secretary Austin has stated, the Department is taking the issue of this unauthorized disclosure very seriously. We continue to work around the clock, along with the interagency and the intelligence community to better understand the scope, scale, and impact of these leaks. And just as we're limited in what we can say about the DOJ's ongoing investigation, we'll be also very limited in what we can say about any of the documents themselves. And while we certainly understand the media's interest in asking questions about the contents of these documents, I will highlight that as a matter of long-standing policy, Just because classified information may be posted online or elsewhere does not mean it has been declassified by a classification authority. And those of you who have been covering the Pentagon for a long time know that we're just not going to discuss or confirm classified information due to the potential impact on national security as well as the safety and security of our personnel and those of our allies and our partners. And for that reason, we will continue to encourage those of you who are reporting this story to take these latter factors into account and to consider the potential consequences of posting potentially sensitive documents <sighs> or information online or Why? elsewhere right. separately these secretary guys? austin hosted latvia's minister of defense in our right. today at the All pentagon
0: right, okay good I mean, I mean what did you expect the pentagon to say right that was brigadier general pat Ryder, the uh, pentagon press secretary So, uh, yeah, we will tell you nothing, and you're going to accept it. So, I mean, of course, they're not going to comment. But, like, what was this guy? First off, like, I got to tell you, like, I have been in the wrong Discord chat rooms, apparently. Like, nobody has ever given me classified information on my my in-game chats. What a letdown. But now I'm going to start asking immediately. I'm going to start getting into chat rooms with people and be like, yo, so what kind of classified intel you got? Um I do find it very interesting though that uh this the analysis that was done on you know this was what Ukraine Russia right the war going on all that um Do you remember just oh, gosh when was it? it was so long ago I think it was um Tuesday maybe Wednesday I forget yeah like a day or two ago when we talked about the intel report that Hunter Biden had had pushed out to his uh, business partner right after they had made the trip to Ukraine. And it did not read like an email that Hunter Biden wrote. It read like a government report that he just forwarded, you know, I I just, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder anyway. Okay. So Dylan Mulvaney is a, uh, self-identified queer, but, 367 days ago or 70 days ago, whatever it is now, just over a year ago, went on to TikTok and started doing a daily journal, basically, of his transition to a girl. He's 25 years old. Okay. He was on the Prices Right years ago. Not many years ago, but a couple of years ago. He's a a, a, a striving actor, and he went on Prices Right, and he, and he won something. I forget what it was. And he had this completely over-the-top celebratory dance where he wouldn't stop dancing. And the camera just would not stop showing him, right? He was like a car wreck. You can't look away. He, He behaves bizarrely. Which is apparently what he thinks girls do. Because that's what he's doing, right? He's putting on girl face. He's getting up in front of a camera... And he's acting as he thinks a girl does. Because that's what he says he is. And so when you watch him behave as he does, this over-the-top sort of bimboistic uh, persona, this is what he, self-identified queer man, but now a girl, this is what he thinks a girl is and does. For example, when he was in the Nike commercial, and he's frolicking around, dancing around, promoting their women's sports bra. This was like the day after he got the deal with Bud Light, where they sent him a whole bunch of cans celebrating his 365 days of being a girl. And he's wearing some bra top in a bubble bath. And it's part celebration of, uh, what was it, Uh, the March Madness as well, of the basketball tournament. And he said he doesn't follow the sport or anything. See, like, I tried to be polite and to use the names and terms and pronouns that uh, that people asked me to use. And generally speaking, by the way, I would continue to do so in in personal company with somebody. Like, if you introduce yourself to me as Pat, I'm going to call you Pat. Right. If you introduce yourself as some other name, I would call you whatever name you're going to introduce yourself to me as I'm going to try to use that name because I'm not trying to be offensive. As I think most people have been willing to be, but give them an inch and they take a mile. And I'm not playing the I'm not playing along anymore. You know, I'm taking the off ramp here. (laughs) I'm taking the off ramp because it wasn't enough. And, and and I'm sorry, like, you want me to call you a different name, that's fine. But you want me to deny reality, that's not fine. And you then also require me to, like Drew Barrymore on her show, kneel before the Dylan Mulvaney's and, you know, bend the knee and say your truth is all reality and your mockery your perceived, uh, your, your, your perception, your perceived idea of what a girl is as offensive as that is, is, is to be accepted. No, no, I'm out. Yeah. I'm taking the off ramp. I'm out. So Bud Light sent him this, uh, these beers with his face on it, celebrating his 365 days of being a girl. And uh, consumers nationwide have begun revolting against the nation's top-selling beer brand. Uh, That was the big news headline to me, was that Bud Light was the number one beer brand in America. I had no idea. Like, people drink that? (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently, well, not as many as once did, but this is how they're going to get the ladies. Yeah, apparently Bud Light wanted to uh to get rid of its its frat boy uh identity. And so this is part of that strategy or something. Although now uh we've got a new report that says the uh the top folks at Bud at Anheuser Bush that they were not aware of this campaign, which this is yet another example of my colleague Brett Winterbull. Um Three to six here on WBT. Uh, He he talks about, you know, the excuse is always the system failed. (laughs) and It sounds like that's what the bud people are going with. Uh, The system failed. It's some low level. It was like, oh, it's like the IRS, like the lowest learner standard. Oh, there's a low level employee in Cincinnati that made the call. Yeah, we had no idea this was happening. Okay. consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful Downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I'll circle back to one of the earlier topics as well about that Washington state uh bill that's about to become a law. You're going to want uh to know about that, but I've got some responses to that on the email as well. Uh, first, let me get Debbie on uh, the program. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to the show. How are you?
2: Hello there. Hey. Glad to talk to you today.
0: Well, thanks for calling.
2: Uh, I was in a business the other day, and a young lady had come in, and she said to the owner, she said, the next time I come in, I don't want you to call me by my name. And she said, well, what am I supposed to call you? said, well, it depends. One day I wake up, and I might be a him, and the next day a her, but you can call me they. <laughs>
0: Just. Yeah.
2: Freaked out about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a. Yeah. That's one of the, the their pronouns is don't call me him or her. It's they them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so they're plural. Yeah.
2: Well. Yeah. They, I, I, they do have split personalities. If that's the case. <laughs> well,
0: that's, talking about. well, yeah. Maybe so. Like that's. I mean, it, we joke, but yes. Like that's. If you don't know what you are, and you are bouncing back and forth between this this sense of self, like, and 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 we're telling people that, oh, you're, you're essentially plural people. I don't think that's the, that's the healthiest mindset to be in. You can just be a very nuanced person. Like we are all, we all have these different parts of our personality and our character and, and you don't have to be one or the other, right? That is part of being a human. You have all of these different traits and it seems like there's this sort of fragmentation that is occurring and then, like, okay, well, I'm going to be all these different, like you said, personalities, and I'm so I'm I'm they them, and I don't think that's healthy. I just don't think it's healthy.
2: No, I don't either. But that's the young case, and her father was standing nearby, playing on his telephone, and the and the lady said, "Did you hear her talking like that?" And he just sort of shrugged his shoulders, like, you know, he he hears it every day. I guess I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe just ignores it. Maybe that he thinks it'll go away. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you're the dad of a teen girl and you're hoping that it sorts itself out, because anything you say, they're going to yell at you over, So, (laughs) as as teenagers do, right?
2: All right. (laughs) Thanks, Debbie. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate it.
0: Take care. Um, No, I I always say this. When this topic is on the agenda, I say it all the time because it's important, that none of what I – say or, or how I say it and talk about this, none of this is meant to mock anybody or to ridicule anybody because I cannot imagine what it must be like to have this idea in your head that you are not what you are, that there is this this dysphoria. I equate it to eating disorders where people believe they're their image of self in their mind, and I know this from first-hand experience, is that your image of yourself is something that is not actually true because you have trained your subconscious, and your subconscious has then informed your conscience, your uh, conscious mind, rather. And it becomes this self-perpetuating cycle. And people believe that they should not be sighted People believe that they should be in a wheelchair and then they cripple themselves. They blind themselves. They're called trans ableists and people who have anorexia, bulimia, right? They do the same thing because they have, a, they have a, a, a detachment between what they believe of themselves, their perception of self, and what is real. We do not encourage people to starve themselves or to binge and purge, right? We, we, don't, we don't encourage that kind of behavior. But it seems like that's what we're doing with this because it's gender, because it's LGBTQ plus IA, whatever, I, I, because it's political. It doesn't seem healthy. And I don't say that in order to minimize or denigrate or make life harder for anybody. Uh, so A fellow called, it says his name was Big Daddy. And I wanted to know if that was my roommate from college, because that was my roommate from college, that was his name. I mean that's what he told everybody to call him, and I did, because he was like six foot seven and four hundred pounds. He got the bottom bunk. Um, well he did. Yeah. He was from DC. Dillon County. That's what he said. And he watched he watched and built his entire uh, academic schedule around days of our lives. He was racist. And, um, this yeah. And, uh, uh, and listen to gangster rap. <laughs> that was big daddy. That was my, for like half a semester, as you might imagine it didn't go very well for very long there. Um, it ended with him waking me up in the middle of the night, uh, threatening me, uh, physically, which all I had to do was just like, you know, move a little bit because he couldn't couldn't really move at all it's very large anyway um yeah whatever but he was yeah he was like (laughs) he was he was a piece of work yeah he had to watch he's like I gotta watch my days yo (laughs) gotta watch days yo what was his name the uh, Stefano that was the, the the villain on Days of Our Lives back in the 90s I don't know right to this day, I never watched Days of Our Lives, but this guy would sit in the in the dorm room, and he would be there. I think it came on at like one o'clock in the afternoon, and he would he would not have any classes anywhere around one o'clock because he had to watch Days. Because this was before the days of, well, not VCR. He didn't have a VCR though, but you know he wouldn't. He had to watch it live. Yeah. Anyway, I so I was curious whether that was the same. Big Daddy that I ruined with, low those many years ago. But he didn't stay on the line. He called in, and then he didn't stay on the line. So I was going to, anyway. Um, so consumers nationwide have revolted against the nation's top-selling beer brand after it stepped recklessly into the culture wars last week with its new spokesperson, transgender TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney, according to bar owners and beer industry experts around the country. Now, okay, first off, some of this right now, is purely anecdotal. And by some of it, I mean, like, almost all of it. It's anecdotal. We don't know what the actual numbers are going to look like until we get the numbers. And you could start tracking this stuff. And, yes, they are starting to track this stuff. It's been a couple of days. So, like, literally two days or three days now. So we're starting to see some of it. But initially, the, the reports are kind of all anecdotal. These are tales of customer complaints, boycotts, declining sales, And so you go to, you know, sort of the canaries in the coal mine, the first line of defense or offense, whatever, you go to the bars, to the restaurants, and you ask, what's going on? Are you seeing sales drop off or whatever? And so Fox Business did that very thing. In Barnhart, Missouri, uh, the owner of the bar Case and Bucks, a restaurant and sports bar, um says that the sales of Anheuser-Busch bottled products dropped 30% over a week, while draft beer plummeted 50%. Bud Light normally outsells rival products Miller Lite and Coors Light. Well, of course, Coors Light. I mean, that's just, that's not even beer. Um, 25 to 1 at Braintree House in Massachusetts, a sprawling sports bar just outside of Boston. But not this week. 80% of Bud Light drinkers ordered something else this week, according to the owner of that place, while 20% who did order the Bud Light were not on social media and had not heard yet about the new pitch person, Dylan Mulvaney. Um, and then once they were told, they did not order it again. <laughs> so uh, there was a pub in Hell's Kitchen, New York City neighborhood, known for its large and vocal gay community. Well, now, um, reported. That uh, Bud Light draft sales dropped 58% while Bud Light bottle sales were down 70%. Bud Light's decision to dive into the culture wars was a bad decision that defied virtually every rule in building brands and marketing, according to a national beer industry analyst uh, who cited a nightmare scenario for Bud Light sales representatives in Texas, where the brand has for years sponsored a large weekly dart league with 100-plus pay uh, players every week. Every Thursday night, these guys throw darts. Guys and gals, I don't know, co-ed, whatever. But 100-plus, they're out there throwing darts. The bar typically goes through three kegs of Bud Light, or what I used to call in college a Thursday night. I'm just kidding. We never drank Bud Light. Come here, break. Um, so, no, I mean, we yeah, we were drinking, like, Bush Light. Yeah, we were drinking... PBR, Milwaukee's Best, or Beast, you know? Yeah. yeah we, we, we did not have a refined palate at that price point. Um, so the, the, that bar, during these weekly dart tournaments, goes through three kegs of Bud Light, and that is a total of 495 pours, okay? 12-ounce pours. You get about 500 pours out of three kegs, okay? The bar sold four. Four. So when they would normally sell 495, they sold four. <laughs> um, they've already done enough damage in one week to disrupt year-long sales projections. A beer sales representative who works with national beer re- beer retailers like Costco told Fox News, "You don't just make up those sales. People are not going to drink twice as much Bud Light the following weekend to recover the lost business. This is the problem, right?" This is the problem, because you have a drop-off of this magnitude this quickly, even if you're able to repair the damage. I don't even know how you would go about doing that, right? But even if you were able to do it, you would have to not just repair the damage, but you would have to turn it around into sort of a net positive, where you end up with more people drinking Bud Light. And maybe and maybe that happens. Maybe, like... People of the left are like, finally, Bud Light, you know, stands for transgender people, whatever. And, like, they have this, like, everybody of the left, every registered Democrat starts drinking Bud Light. Maybe that's ha- maybe that happens. But that's what would have to happen in order to offset the decline in sales. Like, right? this is going to impact their year-end sales goals and totals. Bud Light vice president of marketing, Alyssa Heinerschneid, not kidding, said... In a recent uh, podcast, "Make Yourself at Home," that's the name of the podcast, and I watched the little clip of her, and she said it. She said they were inspired to update. She was inspired to update the fratty and out of touch humor of the beer company with inclusivity. So they're going to ditch the, the frat boy image. She's a Harvard grad, <laughs> of course she is. She's a Harvard grad, and she said it was essential to attract more female and younger drinkers because otherwise, quote, there will be no future for Bud Light. So transgender, a transgender male to female prancing around is the way you attract female and younger drinkers? Or I guess trans drinkers as well, right? Is that the idea? Trans making up less than 1% of the population. This is the growth strategy? I mean, I didn't go to Harvard, but I, I see some limitations here all right now given the state of affairs in our country and the world are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency i actually get asked this a lot my answer start at carolina readiness supply 2,000 square feet of supplies the full line of august farms and mountain house foods books water purifiers lighting tools first aid kits camping and hiking supplies being prepared is just smart whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between Carolina Readiness Supply can help in Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com. Get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event. Also, make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Oh my goodness! All right, let's. All right, let me get to these calls and we're gonna get to the emails real quick. Let me start with Steve. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the program.
2: Hey, good afternoon. I wanted to let you know if I was the marketing director for that brand. I would make one quick change. I would change it to Beth Light because Bud is masculine, and that does not work. That's true. Or I would change the name to Them They Like.
0: I like it. It's inclusive, Steve. It's inclusive. Thank you. Yes, you got to get rid of the uh, the gendered Bud reference. Ron, welcome to the show. Hello, Ron.
2: Hey, Pete, love your show. You keep it interesting. Uh, well, what boggles my mind is the fact that they see the decline, and it's terrible. They've done nothing to change it, nothing to stop it. Uh, I didn't go to Harvard either. I went to Central Piedmont, and I figured that out. <laughs> there
0: you go. All right, Ron, I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. This woman's name is Alyssa Heiner Schneider. She's the uh, marketing director, um, and... After she said uh, on this podcast, she said we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out-of-touch humor, and it was really important that we had another approach. She's Oh, she's also a Wharton grad. She criticized Bud Light's former marketing strategy as dated and male-focused. She said uh, that she had a, quote, super clear mandate to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand because it was it was too fratty. It was too fratty. And now photos have emerged that she posted herself on Facebook. Chugging bottles of lager at one of many Harvard Social Club parties and blowing up condoms like balloons. You might even say frat-like behavior. <laughs> kind of fratty. Uh, Dave says, I am guessing Budweiser is woke enough to spin the sales numbers to say Bud Light sales are normal or up. They will lie through their beer-soaked teeth to stay woke. That's possible. I think um, I saw there was a fella. he's a gay man actually, Dan Wooten, writing at Daily Mail. Uh, and he said that they are essentially, uh, all of this uh, growing brood of woke companies care about is Moving up a few places on the ladder of LGBT friendly companies called the Corporate Equality Index. That's right. So that's what the play is about. And they didn't think that this was going to be probably that big of a deal because, according to the Daily Mail piece by David Avere, the ill fated marketing campaign between Bud Light and the trans influencer or transfluencer, I guess, Dylan Mulvaney was launched without approval from senior executives at Anheuser-Busch. All right, look, we've been having some fun with the, you know, mocking of Bud Light and the taste of it and all of that. I got to tell you, though, there was a – I forgot to Google him uh, to find – I forget the brewery that uh, that he started. Oscar Wong is his name. He's up in the mountains um, near Asheville and – Highland Brewing. Thank you. Highland Brewing. Um so he started Highland Brewing, right? And sort of like this, he's like the godfather of craft brewery, uh, brewing up in Western North Carolina and in the industry. He was on one of the programs when I was up uh, in Asheville. He was on one of the programs that one of my uh, colleagues hosted years before I got there. And during the interview, my colleague, you know, started joking about, you know, Budweiser being, oh, you know, like denigrating Budweiser. And Oscar Wong said, you know, pay them respect in order to first off brew that kind of beer that they brew and to brew it identically the same run after run after run after run and then to bottle it all ship it all so it tastes the same no matter where you're drinking it that is an impressive feat so that being said bud light though is terrible um that's I, but look I'm not so I'm not here just to dump on the bud okay I'm not just I'm just gonna do. That. I give it credit where it's due. It is impressive that they that they are able to create like that garbage of a beer and like identically every single time. I do like Budweiser. I did like the Budweiser. I would go through these spurts. I would drink like you know one beer and I like that one beer. It's why I know like the craft beer thing. People who like like change their beers every time. They're at a different place so they're trying a different beer every single time, and that's fine, I guess. I would find the stuff that I like and I would just drink that. Yeah. You know, I would just drink that. Um, this fellow though, Dan, oh, darn it. Hang on. I have other emails. I got to read these emails right from the earlier, um, because I promised I would, uh, the Washington state bill, Senate bill 5599, where they're going to hide the fact that your runaway child is in one of their, uh, shelters. If the runaway teenager, 13 to 18 years old, if the runaway teen says they escaped to Washington state, for gender-affirming care or an abortion. And then those mandatory reporters now have an exemption where they don't have to tell the parents of the runaway teen, hey, we got your kid. So your kid runs away. If they land in Washington State, you may never know because all they have to say, whether they're actually there for gender-affirming care or abortion services or not, if they just say that, then there's an exemption and you will never know. Uh, Washington State Young People's Bill. It reminds me of Hillary Clinton once saying that it takes a village to raise a child, except now it's more like it takes a village to raise an idiot. Like, that's fair. Um, so I want to make sure I got this straight, Stan says. Uh, no insult to anyone intended. In the state of Washington, you got to be 21 years old to purchase firearms, tobacco products, alcoholic beverages, and are thus protected from the harms of those things uh, and that what they may cause, but they are not protected. From sexual predators or perverts. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, it really is. It really is amazing. It really is amazing. That, uh, that bill is going to the governor for signature, and everyone anticipates that it will, in fact, become law. All right. That's a wrap for us today. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.